I believe that there's some here tonight that are just hanging on by the, by the thread. Holding on to what little faith they still have. And it is my prayer that tonight God will somehow, some way speak into your heart. And bring hope and strengthen your faith to go on. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and grace. Father, we so depend on each day of our lives. Father, without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we can't accomplish a thing. Without you, Father God, there is no wisdom. There is no direction. There's no clear understanding or clarity in our lives. But Lord, with you, we can receive that clarity. We can receive that understanding. We can receive that direction. And Father, tonight we ask that you begin to speak into every one of our lives, into our hearts. Father, you become more real today than you ever was before. Father, that your message tonight will be very clear tonight, that your direction will be very clear. And Father, I thank you for encouraging the faith of those that are here tonight. And Lord, that when they leave here, they'll leave here with hope. They'll leave here, Lord, with strong faith. They'll leave here knowing, Father God, that you are going to take care of whatever it is that they're going through. And Father, we just glorify your name and thank you in advance for for what you're about to do. And for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. A young blind girl was caught in a fire. On the 10th floor of a building. And surrounded by smoke and flames. She was able to make her way to a window. But she couldn't see anything. And as she stood by the window. She heard a voice of a fireman. Yelling out to her saying jump jump. But the young girl responds and says. No I can't. I'm scared. I can't see. The fireman once again calls out to her and yells at her and say, you've got to jump. Go ahead and jump. It's okay. And the young girl once again says, no, I can't. I can't. I'm scared. I can't see. So the fireman makes one last attempt to try to encourage her to jump. And he says, if you don't jump, you're going to die. So take the chance and jump. And the girl responds almost in tears. Saying, no, I can't. I'm too scared. I can't see. Now, it's bad enough to jump from 10 stories high. But to jump where you can't see where you're jumping, that's even more terrifying. So you can imagine how scared this young girl was. But in the midst of all the the confusion and chaos, as she stood by the window, she hears another voice. And this voice says, honey, jump. I got you. And the young girl responds nervously and says, Okay, Daddy, I'll jump. You see, she wouldn't jump at the voice that was not familiar to her. She wouldn't jump at a voice that she didn't know. She wouldn't jump at a voice that she didn't trust. However, she was willing to jump, even though she was afraid, she was willing to jump. At a voice that was familiar. A voice that she knew. A voice that she trusted. A voice that she knew had integrity. And for many of us, 
God is trying to encourage us to jump. He knows you're nervous, but just jump. He understands that you might be scared, but just jump. He knows that you probably can't see where you're jumping, but just jump. Remember, we're talking about your daddy. We're talking about somebody you know. We're talking about somebody you can trust. We're talking about somebody who has integrity. Tonight I want to talk to you about living life believing without seeing. Or I could entitle it this way. Living above sea level. Now, I got that from the bags of Pastor Ray's many words and sayings. So I can't take credit for that one. But he certainly has many. But you see, many of us don't know what it's like to be blind. But if you were to close your eyes or put a blindfold on your eyes and begin taking several steps without seeing, after a couple of steps, you become completely disoriented. And the reason for that is because it is so unnatural for us to walk and not look where we're going. But yet that's precisely what the Bible says we're to do. Now, in the Bible, there are many scriptures that that make reference to things not seen. For instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 18, where Paul says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen... For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. 1 Peter 1.8 also says, Whom you have not seen, you love. Though you have not seen him, yet believing. Hebrews 11.1 also says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And will you allow me to give you one more reference? And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, which is our key verse for tonight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So it is important in every aspect of our lives. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. That's what God expects of us. It is a life that we're called to live by. In other words, faith is a lifestyle that is to be lived every day of our lives, not an event that we visit on occasion. To walk by faith means to live a life as a Christian, not relying on our physical senses or by what we see, but living life by what God says. So we must learn to live by faith and not by sight, if only for two reasons. The first reason is found in Romans 14 and verse 23, where it says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Now, that should be reason enough for us to be able to be intentional in walking by faith. But if you're one of those people who need a second reason, well, I'll give you that second reason. And that's found in Hebrews eleven six. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whenever God tells you to do something and you don't step out in faith to do it, you're displeasing him. When you set out not to do what God says in faith, you're challenging his integrity. 
So that's why it's so important to learn to walk by faith. Because in the kingdom of God, it is a demand, not a request. <clears throat> so 2 Corinthians 5, 7, let's take a look at that. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. God is telling us to do one of two things. And the one thing he's telling us to do is to walk by faith. The thing that he's telling us not to do is to walk by sight. Well, what does that mean to walk by sight? Well, if you look at the word sight, it implies the ability to see with the physical human eye. It also implies not just walking by sight or by the physical eye, but also living by the physical senses. Now, you may have not thought about this, but every day of your life, our physical senses, our five physical senses, gathers and receives information on a daily basis and relaying that message into our brains, informing of what's going on around us. For instance, now I've been standing up here now for a few minutes. And my sense of seeing has gathered and received information, informing me as to who's here and who's not. And as long as I'm standing up here, my sense of seeing will continue to gather information. Letting me know who's falling asleep and who's not. Letting me know who's talking and not paying attention and who is. And I can't help the information from coming because that's what my eyes are doing. It's gathering information. I just figured I'd let you know that. That's for fair warning. But let me give you another example. When I go home from work and I get out of my car and I close the door of my car, my sense of hearing is gathering and receiving information informing me that my dog Sadie knows I'm home. Because I hear her barking. When I step in front of my door, my sense of smell is gathering and receiving information informing me that my wife is cooking dinner. Because I can smell it. And it smells good. So every day of our lives, our our, our five physical senses are gathering information. But here's where so many Christians struggle with their faith. Because every day they're being bombarded by information that's going to challenge or weaken your faith. If a doctor calls you and tells you and gives you some bad news about your health, your five physical senses are telling you that you're going to die. When you receive a threatening letter in the mail by a bill collector, your sense of your physical senses are telling you that you're going to lose your house. That's going to challenge your faith. So we need to learn not to walk by sight, but rather by faith. And I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. So walking by sight is living off information that is provided by our natural physical senses. And God tells us that we are to live by another kind of information that is received through faith, not information that is received by our physical senses. Are you hearing me? For we walk by faith, not by sight. Go to Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. Abraham and Sarah received great news from God, saying that they're going to have a child. Now that should be good news to everyone, except the fact that they were so far advanced in age that they couldn't have children. So that wouldn't be good news to them. But yet this is what the Bible says. In verse 19, it says, Abraham, not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body already dead 
since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, the word consider simply means to observe fully or to behold something. It also means to fix your, one's attention, one's thoughts, or one's mind on something. Verse 19 tells us that Abraham did not grow weak in faith. Why? Because he did not consider the information that was being provided from him from this physical body. His physical body was telling him that he was too old. The physical, uh, the senses was telling him that his wife was too old, that her womb was dead. But the scripture says he did not consider what his body was telling him. He did not fix his mind, his attention, or his thoughts to what his physical senses was telling him. That's why he grew strong in faith. In verse 20, the Bible tells us that he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. To consider the present circumstances that you're in will only weaken your faith. In other words, when you fix your attention, your mind, your thoughts to what it is you're going through, that's only going to weaken your faith. But when you consider what God says about your situation, when you fix your mind, your thoughts, and your attention to what God says about your situation, that will strengthen your faith. So that's why we understand why Abraham's strength was, was, well, our faith was strengthened because he did not consider what the physical senses was telling him. He was considering what God was saying to him. Amen. So the information that his physical senses was telling him was contrary to what God told him. But Abraham made a choice. He chose not to listen to the things that would weaken his faith. But he chose to listen to the things that would strengthen his faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by information. That is the word of God. So when we talk about walking by sight, we're talking about walking by the five physical senses of your body. The information that your body is telling you. But it also means living out of human principles, human resources, human sufficiency, human wisdom. You often heard Pastor John mention George Mueller. He's a great man of God and a great man of faith. And this was a man who did not rely on human resources. This was a man who did not rely on human sufficiency or wisdom. He was, this was a man who, not, who did not rely on his five physical senses. The story goes about how he was a pastor and a Christian evangelist, but also a man who, uh, who directed five orphanages. It was said about him that he cared for over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. This was a man who refused to take uh, a salary. And he never asked for money from anyone. But what he did was he prayed to God that God would put in the person's heart what it is that he or his orphans needed. For that time. It was said that he prayed in millions of dollars in today's currency. And he never asked directly for money. All he did was ask God for money. Now that, that's, this was a man who intentionally lived this way. Because he wanted to encourage other Christians that God can meet your need. And there was a story that I read one time where. Uh, it was a dinner time. And he had his orphans sitting down at the table. 
And he was about to say grace over the meal. The problem was that there was no meal to say grace over. So you had these orphans sitting there with empty plates in front of them. And George Mueller just prayed. Now, it may appear that there's no food in front of them. But that doesn't mean that there's no food exists. In the natural, it may not exist. But in the spiritual realm, it does. George Mueller was not moved by what he saw. He simply prayed. And then when he said amen, there was a knock on the door. He got up, answered the door, and there was a man there with with a handful of food. Saying, listen, my, my wagon busted and I don't want this food to waste. So I figured maybe you can use the food. That evening, the orphans had dinner. But he wasn't moved by what he saw. And you can imagine what the orphans were was thinking when they were sitting at the table with an empty plate. And they see this man praying over food that wasn't there. But that never moved George Mueller. Because George Mueller was not going by what his physical senses was telling him. He was going by what God says. Philippians 4.19 says, For my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. He made this statement. He says this, and we're talking about a man who's lived it, who's been there and done that. So pay close attention to what he says. He says, We have then to believe what God says. Nor must we look to our feelings nor expect help from our natural fallen reason. Now this is for some of you here tonight. He goes on to say, Nor must we be discouraged, though all appearance go against what God says. For faith begins when sight fails. In other words, the moment we stop relying on our senses, that's when faith begins. That's when faith is active. When you shut off your physical senses and allow your faith to take over, that's when things happen. So when we stop relying on our physical senses, that is when faith begins. That is when faith takes its journey. So George Mueller, like Abraham, refused to believe what they saw. But they chose to believe what they could not see. And that's God's promises and provisions. Just because they couldn't see it didn't mean it didn't exist. They believed But the provisions was theirs. That's how they lived. Now, so that's what it means to walk by sight. So what does it mean to walk by faith? How many of you have Wi-Fi at home? Okay, so almost everyone here has Wi-Fi at home. How many of you would agree that that is an amazing technology? We've gotten so used to it because how else will we be able to get information from the internet into our devices, whether it's your phone, whether it's your your iPad or your computer or even your smartphone. But the way it works in a nutshell is this technology uses radio signals, watch this, that we cannot see. Transmitting information between our device and the internet. Your faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need. Amen. So when we talk about faith, 
Faith is relying on God's sufficiency, relying on God's wisdom, relying on God's resources, relying on God's principles, rather than relying on human principles and human resources and, and human sufficiency. Now, I would love to be a man like George Mueller, who lived by faith intentionally. But like so many of us, we have to grow in that area of our lives every day. And again, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. But we want to get to that place. In Psalm 118 and verse 8, it says, It's better to trust in the Lord rather than put confidence in man. That is, put confidence in human wisdom and and sufficiency and, and the resources. Faith is not one of the things that we need in life. Faith is the key to what we need in life. So let's not take that for granted. It is necessary for us to live by faith. Now, if we are not walking by faith, then we're not experiencing God's power in our circumstances. If we're not living by faith, we are robbing ourselves of experiencing what God can do. We're robbing ourselves of of God's power and resources. When we're not walking by faith, we're challenging God's integrity. We're insulting his integrity. Most things that are operated by batteries come with an on and off switch. And some of these items may come with batteries included, which means that you can take it home and use it immediately. But you still need to activate it by a switch. Well, our faith is that switch. And the moment you turn it on, that's when the power is activated. But too many Christians are going around saying, I have faith, I have faith. But when the rubber meets the road, there's no power. It's like walking into a room and turning on a switch and nothing happening. There's no power being activated. And I'm trying very hard not to get ahead of myself. But God would not be able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think until we turn on that power switch called faith. Amen. So I want you to turn to your neighbor to your left and tell him, turn off your switch, man. Turn it on. You see, many of us don't realize the power that's made available to us if we turn on that faith switch. You'll be surprised the power that comes when we turn it on. Now, again, there are people who go around saying, I have faith, I have faith. But there's no power being activated. And that's because of unbelief. Let me tell you something about unbelief. Unbelief is the most powerful tool that the enemy can use against us to keep us from receiving and experiencing God. Unbelief is such a stronghold in our lives that it keeps us right where we are and prevents us from moving forward. And a good example of that is over in Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus came home uh, to his hometown in Nazareth. And there he preached at a synagogue and he preached a powerful sermon. And the people were astonished by the words of wisdom that was coming out of his mouth and began to question, who is this man and, and where does he get this wisdom from? And where does he get all these mighty works? And they began to question, but wait a minute, isn't he the carpenter's son? 
Isn't he Mary's son? Don't we know his brothers? Don't we know his sisters? I mean, he's one of us. And in verse 57 of Matthew 13, the Bible says that the people were offended at him. And then Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own home. But it's what he said in the next verse. Oh, actually not what he said, but a statement was made about that. It says that he could not do any muddy works in that town because of what? Their unbelief. Romans 4.20, the Bible says that Abraham did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. So unbelief can cause you to be stuck right where you are. And I don't know about you, but faith is not about getting stuck. It's about moving on and moving forward. It's about conquering everywhere we go. Every step we take, we're conquering, we're overcoming. But that takes faith. Excuse me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. When we talk about faith, it is acting on obedience to God's word. In spite of what the circumstances say to you, in spite of what your physical senses are telling you, in spite of what the culture around you tells you. <clears throat> In Hebrews 11, verse 7, we read the story about Noah. And it says this, that Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. And he was warned about something he couldn't see. And he acted on what he was told. Let's stop there. Now, in Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, it talks about Noah and how Noah was considered a man who was perfect in, in his generation and that he was a man that walked with God. And as you continue, if you continue reading chapter, uh, chapter 6 of Genesis, it also goes on to say that the earth was corrupt and full of violence. And God was about to destroy the earth and bring judgment upon it with the flood. The problem here is this. You know that this is a very, uh, very terrible and a very tumultuous time in Noah's day because Noah was the only one who walked with God in the entire earth. He was the only one who was perfect in his generation. Therefore, it must have been a very lonely time for him because he was the only one who lived and represented God. So you can imagine the life that he lived. He, was the, he, he stood out above everyone else because how different he was from his neighbors. He wasn't a man who went around trying to please the culture of the day. He went around pleasing God. He was a man who swam upstream while everyone else was swimming downstream. And you know what made him even more weirder? You know what made him stand out, stand out even more? Is the fact that he was building a, a, a boat on dry land, far away from water. Now, he must have been the object of ridicule because of what he was doing. And this is not just any boat. We're talking about a, a huge boat. We're talking about a boat that's the size of one and a half football field long, 45 feet high, which is about four stories high, and 75 feet wide. We're talking about a wooden ocean liner. And every day he would go out and collect gopher wood and build this ark. The scripture says that God had warned him of things that he could not see. 
And even though it did not make any sense to Noah, even though it didn't make any sense to his physical senses, and even though it looked ridiculous and, and, and crazy and out of the ordinary, yet he continued to build the ark. Now, it took 120 years for him to build this ark. And in the 120 years that he was building that ark, he didn't see any sign of the flood. He saw no visible indication that a flood was coming. He saw nothing. Yet, and every day was like any other day. Some of you have been waiting for God to come through for you for a long time. And you've not seen any visible sign that the answer to your prayers are on the way. You've not seen that there's any indication that God has even heard your prayer. And every day is like any other day. So the question is, what do we do about this? Well, we do what Noah did. The Bible says he acted on what he was told. And every day, for 120 years, he would collect gopher wood and build the ark. And I'm sure that he, there might have been some days where he was tired of seeing gopher wood. But every day, he would pick up, he would find a gopher tree, chop down the gopher tree, collect this gopher wood, and start building. Sometimes God moves us in a direction without giving us any indication as to where he's ultimately taking us. In Hebrews 11 verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed God. When he was told, when he was called to go out into the place where he would receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham traveled a long ways, a long distance away from his home, away from his family, away from, from his businesses, associates, everything he left behind, and went somewhere and didn't know where he was going. He was acting upon what God told him. Walking by faith means moving ahead in confidence, even though we cannot see around the corner. I'm still talking about believing without seeing. Go to Hebrews chapter... Let me read Hebrews 11 from uh, verse 7 from the Amplified Version. It says, prompted by faith, Noah, being forewarned of God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. Had he not done what God had told him, he would have been caught up in the flood with everybody else. But he stood, stood out in faith not knowing what was going on, not understanding what a flood was, and even though it looked ridiculous, building an ark for 120 years, collecting gopher wood until it came out of his ears, yet he continued building until the flood came. Understand this. Noah did not wait for the flood, for the rain to fall to start building the ark. So that poses a question to me and for all of us. Why are so many of us waiting for the rain in our lives to fall before we start stepping out and act? Right. 
Several years ago, when my wife and I bought our, our home, which we live in today, we had motion detector lighting installed in front of our front, outside of our front step and outside of our back step. So when visitors come in the evenings, when they come into our front step, the lights go on. When they enter into the house, the lights go off. When it's time for them to leave, when they step out into our front step, the lights come back on again. And when they go into the car and drive off, the lights go off. There's power in our front steps. And there's power outside of our back steps. But the power will not manifest itself until it detects motion. Now, if the lights are not coming on and off, it doesn't mean that there's no power in our front steps. It doesn't mean that there's no power in our back steps. It just means it doesn't detect any movement. Now, I say that to say this. God is real. God's power is real. God's promises are real. But you're not going to see any of it until he detects motion. See, walking by faith requires movement. Walking by faith requires motion. And you can't expect the power of God to be activated into your life until he detects movement in your faith. Until he sees feet to your faith. When he sees that, that's when the power of God becomes activated in your life. Otherwise, you won't be experiencing God. Hebrews eleven seven says that Noah was warned about something he couldn't see, yet he acted on what he was told. Noah stepped out in faith and left the rest to God. That's what we need to do. We need to step out in faith and not worry about when, how, where. Just leave it to God. Leave it to God. All you have to do is simply act out in what he's told you to do and leave the rest for him. Go to Luke chapter 5. Faith is simply acting like God is telling the truth. Luke chapter 5, we read the story where Jesus had just finished preaching a powerful sermon to a multitude of people. And after he finished his message, he turned to Simon Peter and says, Peter, go launch out into the deep and cast out your net for a catch. Now, notice what Jesus did not say in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. He did not say, Peter, launch out into the deep and cast your net to see what's going to happen. He didn't say, launch out into the deep, cast your net and see if you get lucky. No, he said, launch out into the deep, cast your net for a catch. When God tells you to do something, expect results because God is. Amen. God is expecting results. You see, the catch that Jesus promised cannot become reality until Peter acted on Jesus' command. But look at what Peter said in verse 5. Look at how he responded. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Let's stop there. Now, understand that Peter is a fisherman. We know that. He's a professional fisherman, which means that he knows fishing. He knows fish. He knows the waters that he fishes in. So he also understood that there would be days like this. He understood as a, as a fisherman, based on his past experience as a professional fisherman, 
that there would be days he would come home with a lot of fish, that there would be days when he would come home with a little bit of fish, and that he also understood, based on his past experience, that there would be no fish. Because you see, it's the nature of the job. It was part of the business. Peter understood this. But Peter was going by his past experience. When God tells us to do something, too many times we rely on our past experiences. Too many times we rely on our past mistakes. Too many times we go back and look at our past failures. When God tells you to do something, your past experience has nothing to do with it. So do me a favor. When God tells you to do something, don't go back and look at your past failures. Don't go back and look at your past mistakes. Just cast the net. Turn to your neighbor to your left and tell him, cast your net already. <laughs> but you know, you got to give Peter credit. <clears throat> Even though he was relying on his professional experience, and even though it was his professional opinion that it did not make any sense to go back out into the water and fish after he's been there all night and he caught nothing. But yet he stepped out regardless of his doubt, regardless of his feelings, and he stepped out. If he hadn't stepped out and cast his net, he wouldn't have received the blessing that God had in store for him. Remember, he told Peter, cast your net for a catch. Because God was expecting something to happen. And look at verse 6. And when they had done this, done what? When they went out into the deep and cast their net, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Even though Peter doubted, yet he stepped out in faith. And even with that little doubt, He's still receiving abundant blessings. Oh, glory to God. Faith is acting on obedience to what God says. Despite what your personal experiences or situation is, despite what your physical senses are telling you, despite what your past experiences has told you, and despite what, what, what even, even if God tells you to do something that did not make any sense, when you step out in faith, watch what happens because God is about to do something powerful. The results will bring an abundance of blessings. When we looked at Noah, he acted out in faith. And because of that, the result was he was able to save his family and preserve the righteous line. When, when Peter stepped out in faith, he received a, an abundance of fish where there were no fish. There was results. When people act out in faith, even though it does not make any sense. And you know, sometimes God tells us to do something that just does not make any sense at all. But when we know it's God, we just need to step out and let God do the rest. So we've seen examples of what it means to walk by faith. Noah walked by faith and he got instant results. Abraham walked by faith and he had tremendous results. Peter walked by faith and he also received tremendous results. These all acted in faith and received something. Something happens when we walk out in faith. A preacher once said this. He said that God constructed a bridge for us to cross over. That bridge crosses us from the natural over to the supernatural. Which means that we have a choice. We can stay in the natural and not experience God. Or we cross over to the other side into the supernatural where there we can experience God. That means that we don't have to stay stuck on that one side of the bridge. 
But we have a choice to cross over. And for some of us, hear me now, for some of us, it's time to cross that bridge. Turn to your neighbor and say, cross that bridge already. In John chapter 20, in verse 25, we read the story where, <coughs> uh, where G- Jesus had just been resurrected. And he appeared to all of his disciples except Thomas. And he appeared to Martha and Mary. And in verse 25, we read where the disciples were telling Thomas that they saw Jesus, that Jesus is alive. Martha and Mary, who was also witnesses, tried to convince uh, Thomas that Jesus was alive. He says, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. In other words, he says, I will not believe it until I see it. You see, Thomas, and you probably don't know this, but Thomas is really from Missouri, the show me state. Because he's got to be shown before he can believe it. But in the kingdom of God, you don't have to see it to believe it. You simply believe it. Amen. And then in verse 29, Jesus appears to Thomas finally. And he says this, verse 29, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So what Jesus did was pronounce blessings on all who would come to faith without the help of visible or physical manifestation. Blessed are they who believe yet have not seen. Now go to John chapter 11. And here we read the story where Jesus had got word that his friend Lazarus was sick and dying. But he didn't go back to the town where he lived until four days later. By that time, Lazarus was dead. And he met up with Martha and Mary, and they were all mourning for their brother, and they all cried, and and they told Jesus. It was almost as if they were blaming Jesus, saying, Jesus, if you were here, Lazarus would still be alive. And they just continued to carry on and mourning and crying. But it was something that Jesus said. That was totally crazy, totally out of the ordinary. In verse uh, 39, he says this to Mary. Mary, take away the stone. Why would Jesus tell her to move away the stone from the grave where Lazarus was buried? He He had been dead for 10 days. So the body had been decomposing in the last four days. So naturally, it's going to smell. And that's what Martha responded in saying, Jesus, it's almost like, you know, if... If it was like anybody else, she would probably say, what, are you crazy? But Martha, being respectful, says, Lord, by this time he stinketh because he's been dead for four days. Now, you can't explain or comprehend the supernatural. You just have to cross that bridge and experience the supernatural. But it was what Jesus said in verse 40. He said this, did I not say to you, If you would believe, you will see. If you would believe, you will see. I'll say it again. If you would believe, 
you will see. Let me say it another way. If you cross that bridge, you will see. If you cast your net, you will see. What is Jesus saying? Saying this. In order to see God's glory, in order to experience God, in order to see and experience God and his power, in order to see anything from God, you have to first believe before you see. You have to first believe before you see. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. In order to have them, you've got to believe first. When we cross that faith bridge, then we will see and experience God. But you've got to cross that bridge. You have to believe first before the manifestation of what you're believing for will come to pass. The results came after one believes. And this is the message that I'm trying to get across to you. Is living life believing without seeing. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But it does exist in the spiritual realm. But you've got to believe it before you can see it. Jesus said to to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who believe yet have not seen. And, you know, I encourage you all to read Hebrews 11. Because in Hebrews 11, we see testimonies of, of men and women of God who lived and experienced God because of their faith. And that was written for us New Testament believers to show us that what worked for them can also work for us. Now, as I get ready to close, go to Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 once again. Praise is the ultimate demonstration of faith. <clears throat> In Romans 4 verse 20, the Bible says that Abraham's faith grew as he praised God. It says he had no unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Praise, like faith, is not a feeling, but a choice to trust God. And even when the road that you're on is rough, and even when the road ahead of you is uncertain, we still praise. And and I know, I mean, let's be real. It's very hard to give praise to God when you're going through a, a, a very tough time. I understand that. But yet, if you want your faith to grow, faith is one of the ways to do it. Praise is one of the ways to do it. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says that Abraham was empowered by God as he gave praise and glory to God. So just as faith increases by hearing information which is God's word nothing else will increase more than praise praise is the ultimate demonstration of faith praise is acting out what you believe go to Habakkuk chapter uh, 3 praise is acting out not only acting out your faith 
But it's saying that regardless of my circumstances, I believe, no, I'll take that back. I know that God will fix the problem that I'm going through. I know that God will fix the things that are bothering me, the things that are, that, 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 that's been holding me down. I know that God will fix everything. And see, we have to change how we speak. Too many times we say, I believe God can do this. I believe that God can do that. Faith is not believing that God can. Faith is knowing that God will. Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk the prophet talks about a very tough time that he and the people of Judah were going through. He says this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines... And though the olive uh, crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, go to verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Now, what we see here is not passive praise. Like, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. No, we're talking about a very active praise. The word rejoice means jumping for joy. It means, and the word where it says, I will be joyful in God of my salvation. The word joyful means to spin around. So imagine going through a very difficult time. Perhaps maybe that's what you're going through right now. And you're going through this very difficult time. And like Habakkuk. Regardless of the situation, even though I'm about to lose my house, even though I've lost my job, even though my marriage is failing, even though the bills that that come at the end of the month and I can't afford my bills, even though my life has been a failure, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will jump for joy. I will spin around. And I will raise up my hand and praise the Lord regardless of my circumstances because I'm not going by what I see. I'm going what I believe because I believe that God will deliver in my circumstances. Hallelujah. I'm talking about believing without seeing. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It does exist. It exists in the supernatural realm. But you got to cross that bridge in order to experience the supernatural. You need to step out in faith and believe that God will. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the words of encouragement tonight. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness and faithfulness, Father. Father, we just especially thank you, Lord God, that tonight... As we hear the word, Lord God, that your word is bringing life into us. It's providing us with hope. It's encouraging our faith. It's strengthening our faith, Lord God. And Lord, I'm believing. Lord, I take that back. I know that you will come through for me. Whatever my prayers are, Lord God, I know you've heard them. And Lord, I know that you've answered them. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going by what I see. I'm going by what I believe. And Lord, I thank you for meeting every need. I thank you for delivering me from my situation and from my circumstances. I thank you for healing my marriage. I thank you for bringing my children back into the fold. I thank you, Father God, that my life is no longer a failure, but now will be a success. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for what you have in store for me. And Lord, I place my very life in your hands. And even though I cannot see what's around the corner, Lord, I'm trusting you because I know you have 
my best interest at heart. And Lord, I just give you all the glory and all the praise in your precious son's name. Amen and amen.